So, let's review a little bit. We've been talking about Bruchko, who is, like I can trace it. I've written it so many times I can see it. Bruce Olsen. Okay. Um, is a missionary in and it was a couple of places in Colombia and Venezuela. Venezuela, yes. Yes, in and the mountains between the two. Yeah. And <laughs> well, lot. more than that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot more, but, um... He went to Indian tribes, like the He lives with the Motoloan Indians. Okay. How did he get there? Uh, on his own. On his own? Sort of, right? Yeah. Well, who really got him there? God. God did, right? But, like, he didn't go with a missionary the organization. He went and he like survived off of um, the money he had and then ran out and then found depended on the people around the local people to help him. Okay. Why is he had a job but now he this now he's just working for the Okay. Right, because when he lives with the Motolones money doesn't matter, right? No, or it does to a certain degree, right? Because he likes to buy medicine for them and things. But in general, money doesn't matter. Why is he doing this? Why does he want to go and help the Motolones? Because he had a dream. He had a calling of a calling. Dream is okay. Yep. Calling. Calling, but like, oh, this is a dream. calling from who? God. All right. Is he the only person with a calling? No. How many people have a calling? Everybody, everybody has their own Everybody has a calling in that one verse in probably Matthew. Oh, yeah, it's like, go out. Go do stuff, because I said so. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's more than go do stuff. Yeah. What's it say? It's like, go, go out. Give me a synopsis. I didn't ask you to memorize it. Go in the world and spread the gospel because I want you to. Okay, so we um, we all have a generic calling, right? I mean, we all don't have a missionary. I mean, like missionary in the sense of um, going like this, like this kind of missionary. Going out to a country. We don't have we don't all have that calling, but we do all have a calling to spread the gospel. Okay. So the Hold that concept in your mind for tonight, right? Because we've this book what I know so we talked about missionaries and you guys didn't know a whole lot of different missionaries. You knew a couple. Um Somebody mentioned, I think, Corey Temboom. Somebody mentioned 
Um, Elizabeth Elliot and your the Olson Pasks cousin. <coughs> and that was about it, right? And Abby, right? Who? Abby. Oh, who's Abby? Abby Shaw. Uh, Shaw. Or oh, well, yes, she I went mean, on a mission trip. She went trip. on a mission trip. Oh, but she wasn't really a missionary. It's not her everyday job, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, so, maybe you don't have this formulated in your mind as strongly, but usually when we think of missionaries, there's kind of an archetype or a, um, a stereotype that they fit into. And if you read a lot of missionary books like autobiographies or biographies by missionaries, there's kind of a th running theme in them about how they go about it. What is different about what Bruce has done with the Modalone Indians thus far? Okay, yes, I would, I you're right, but a better way to say it would be that God is using their culture to reach them, right? Why would I say it that way? Because their culture was guided when it was created by God at that moment. Yes. You're right. What do you mean by that? He had the people who influenced the culture influence it in a way that would make it susceptible to the Bible. That was a very academic way of <laughs> stating that. Um, what do these people have in their culture and in their stories? What do they have built into it about the future? Something that we also have in our Bible. Prophecies. Okay. Oh, like the, the with the corn and the flute in there. Yes. They're in their culture are these prophecies. Um, what are some of these prophecies that we've looked at so far? White guy is going to kill them all. With a flute. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, but then it was like, looked like pages and he was like, oh my gosh, wait, it's the body Oh yeah, and then like So, um, there was another one, too. Um, Is it the one with the man and the ants? 
No, that's not. So that's not a prophecy. So we see another thing out of the culture. Stories. Stories, or I would say legends. Because I I think for a lot some of theirs are. They wouldn't say that they didn't happen. You know, they are like um, how something like Johnny Appleseed. Do you did Johnny Appleseed exist? Maybe. Probably. Did he is every apple tree that there is in the wild from Johnny Appleseed planting it? No. Most definitely not, right? And probably a lot of the stuff around it isn't a hundred percent. How about it was John Henry a real person? Yeah. Yes. Do you think that when you read the t stories about him, every part of that is true? No. Probably not, right? There's probably some exaggeration to it with certain things. I bet you he did go through like five hammers a day. Go through what? He went through like five hammers a day. That was like part of the legend. Oh, I don't know. M maybe, ma maybe that, happened like, one time, right, or something. The one that like with the railroad. Yes. The walls. Yes. And then they raised the machine and died. Yep. Lucky one. I couldn't remember if John Henry was the one with like the bowl, the blue one. That's Paul Bunyan. Oh yeah. How did they both? He's probably not. Or it, it, he, maybe he was real, but he definitely didn't have a blue ox that was the size of a house he and made like. Pancakes on like something. Yeah, he he has the most ridiculous <laughs> stuff to it. All right. So they have legends. <clears throat> and we have the one with the um, the ants, right? Mm -hmm. What? What else? Do we have another one that was a legend like that? Um, oh, was it like something about the hammock? No, that was like, okay. That so was, that brings me to a third one with the culture. Is that, that was the like real life? Parallels to like yeah. yeah, they have rituals or um, let's just say methods. Yeah, so we have the hammock and what else, what was another one that's very important? Very important about after they go on a hunt. They put skin on the person. Okay. The chief, they put skin on him and they stretch it over and that does stuff. Over what? His ears. Yes. He hears the screaming or whatever. Was it no. No demon. So that ties into another thing. What is life to them? What is their life tied to? Their life is words. Uh, more specifically, language. Yes, words are, but language because, like, Bobby has a secret name. Oh, yeah, and you can only tell your friends. Right? And we have, we don't think of it that way, but we think that there is a inner person that only certain people get to know about, right? And that really only Jesus knows everything about um and there was another way i was going with that 
with the language. Um, anyways, and then there's one other thing that is also about, more about how, about your life in the past. Your lived life. What represents that to them? If you live in the jungle, how do you get places? Yeah. Trails. Trails. Yep. Trails are paths. That represents your life, right? Or how somebody lives their life. And if you want to find a guy, you go on a trail. Yes. So if you want to find Jesus, so, right? So all these things. Now. How much of this is Bruce relating their culture to the Bible and how much of it is a prophetic supernatural of God placing it there in their culture? It's hard to say, right? Yeah. It would be hard to say, well, this for sure is just Bruce found this an easy way to explain something to them. It'd be hard to say. There's some things where you could say, okay, yeah, maybe when you'll see if you've read ahead there when he translates the Bible, sometimes he says, well, their houses are built on sand. So it doesn't make sense for us to use the parable of the wise man built his house upon the rock. Because Bobby says, that's dumb. No, nobody builds their house on a rock. We build it in the sand by driving poles into the sand. So Bruce had to find a different way to explain that parable to them. At first, Bobby says, let's delete it. Let's just get rid of that parable when we make our Bible. And Bruce is like, no, we can't do that. <laughs> Got to come up with a different way. So, right, so there's some ways where actually their culture doesn't, doesn't tie into the Bible well at all. But there's other things that are really terrific, like why is the ant so amazing from what you guys covered last week? Specifically, these. Oh, because the... Who do they all point Jesus. to? was the, God was the guy, and then Jesus was him as the guy. Right. Were you guys all here last week? Okay. Last week, I was late. Okay. Well, I won't go over the ant, the human becoming the ant thing too much then, but you all got that? Yeah. The pretty crazy that a blonde man would come with a Bible that looks, and a Bible looks like a banana stalk when it's cut. <clears throat> in half. Do you, did you guys understand why that looks like that? Yeah. Did you get a picture? It's like, I didn't see it. Like, I didn't find a picture. So if you the baby, have... The baby leaves in the plant before it, they like come out of it. It's like they're like folded. Think if of... It's even like a tree but like they're all like wrapped mm -hmm. around and if you cut the stalk in half and you look at the end of it, it looks like this. But then that guy cut it in half like this, the long ways. So you have it like this. 
And then, um, let me do this so it makes sense. So now that it's cut the long ways, yeah. it looks like this. So it looks like a Bible that you have all these leaves that are kind of like peeling out of it. So when that happened, Bruce, and that, think about that. The way that that happened, the guy happened to, Bobby tossed him a stalk and said like this stalk, and then the other guy hit it with his machete and just so happened to split it lengthwise in that moment because Bruce had never <clears throat> known or understood this before. And then Bruce sees that piece like this on the ground and is like, hey, that looks like a Bible. I'm blonde and I have a Bible in my backpack. <laughs> if that isn't ordained by God, I don't know what is, right? <clears throat> so... And then they go further on with the with the um, the blood over the ears, the hammock that you tie by trusting to get into the hammock. That you have to do it with both feet. You can't be on one's half on the ground, half in the hammock when you trust God. And we see all these things where God has had a plan along the way. And then um, finally, we see the powerful way in which Jesus spreads the gospel by using Bobby at their festival of arrows. What does Bobby do during that festival? He sings for 14 hours or 12 hours. Maybe it's 10 hours. I think it's 14. But he sings for a really long time. Yes. About God. Being in history. Yes. And as a result of that, Right. They started, many, many people accepted the gospel that they heard right from Bobby's mouth. And that's, and right, we talked, of, so I told you at the beginning when Audrey said about being a missionary <clears throat> and that for Bruce, he's not going out and preaching the gospel. It's different. And that not everybody um, is a missionary. <clears throat> Sorry, except that we very much can be because most of you will probably never preach <clears throat> in the sense that you're going to get up and give a sermon. You may become a Sunday school teacher or teach things in that sense. But most people don't have that job to do. But yet you still spread the gospel. You're all called to spread the gospel. And you see that Bruce does that in a way where he really never preaches. He's there as to bring the truth to them, to explain it to them. But in the end, it's Bobby is the one who gives this, this long in a totally different way, a song version of a sermon that speaks to all of them far more than if somebody were to get up and just speak for 14 hours. They're not interested in that. That's not part of their culture. So now we're going to move on this week to what often comes 
after a spiritual high, high point, is that after a <clears throat> comes a attack or low point who might attack you in the spiritual sense. Satan, right? Okay. Satan looks to um, take down Christians immediately after a victory. It's one of the tactics that he uses. Why might he choose to do it that kind of timing? Yes, you are unprepared. You are unaware of the dangers oftentimes because you are, you are still emotionally and spiritually in this different place and you're not thinking about bad things that could happen, right? You're not on guard. Let's go now to in the book, chapter 18. If you have it, you can turn there or you can just listen. Page 129. Did everyone read this chapter? No. The Night of the Tiger? No. Okay. But I know that um, they said last week that like, whenever the tiger comes to the Yes. Okay. So we're going to read a little bit of this. <clears throat> I was lying in my hammock after the morning hunt. The women were cooking, and the acrid smoke of the smire fires mixed with the smell of roasting monkey made me drowsy. Soon it would be time to eat. I was hungry. I heard a commotion at the other end of the home and lifted myself up on my elbow to see what was happening. A little knot of men and women were gathered around Abekurina, a young slender man. I had caught a few of his words. Tiger, I couldn't move. He was talking excitedly. Two men in the hammocks near me got up and started towards the cluster of people. Hey, Chanty, I said to one of them. What's going on? He came over to my hammock. He seemed nervous. Didn't you hear? He asked hoarsely. The tiger spoke. What tiger? I said, confused. Spoke what? What are you talking about? The tiger spoke. He spoke. I shook my head. Chanty, tigers don't speak. And if they did, who would care what they said? Oh, he said, when the tiger speaks, we are in big trouble. Big, big trouble. <laughs> By this time, his eyes were rolling. Okay, thanks, I said and let him go. The whole house was in an uproar. All work stopped. Those who couldn't get close to Abikirina stood on the perimeter of the crowd and talked or walked swiftly to the door and stared outside. I got out of my hammock. The chief was standing at one of the doors. I drew him aside. I wanted to talk to you, I said. What does it mean that the tiger spoke? It means we're in for big trouble, he said. Well, what kind of trouble? What could the tiger say that could be dangerous? 
I'm going into the jungle to talk to the tiger. He will tell me. But chief, I said, tigers don't talk. This is nonsense. He gave me a quick, hard glance. Look, he said, you don't know anything about the jungle. You don't know how to hunt. You don't know what to eat. You can't keep up on the trail. What makes you think you know anything about tigers? There wasn't much I could say. I looked at him in, in a nervous astonishment while he could while he stared coldly into the jungle. Okay. So crazy, right? Does that not just sound unreal in the sense of fake and superstitious? That a guy is saying, well the tiger talked to me. That's usually at the point where in our culture we'd say, okay, he might actually be crazy. We may actually need to put him somewhere safe or keep an eye on him because he's out of his mind. And Bruce has this similar reaction to it and not surprisingly for us, right? Um, but then he thinks to himself, he says, well, hold on. These people are not superstitious. I've never heard them talk about anything else like this before. They have prophecies, but they're not like talking tigers and things like that. And they are not fearful people either. I've never seen them where the entire village is acting like they are afraid. They, they don't do that. This is odd. So, and then, so naturally he asks Bobby about it. And Bobby tells him that what happens is when the tiger speaks that people die. And that what happens is that spirits at night come out of the rocks and that they kill people. And Bruce says, okay. He says, does somebody always die? Bobby says, yes. No matter what, somebody always dies. It could be 10, it could be two, but always somebody dies when this happens. So, I'm going to tell you just a, because even this story for us is kind of like, okay, it's in another country, it's in the jungle, different things happen there, okay? I'll tell you just an interesting story. I have not encountered spirits that kill people before. Surprise, surprise, right? But... I've had this kind of questioning before where you think, what is going on? A encounter where it shifts the reality of what you have experienced before. Um, while I was in the military, I had, um, I had been in my new position for maybe a month or two where I was the platoon leader along with my platoon sergeant and we had about... Um, at about 40 guys, we were a little short of what we were supposed to have. So we had new people coming in, um, getting assigned, and I got a new squad leader who is like, he's a directly below me that works with me, and there you have three of them. So I got a new one in, which was great. I met him one time, it was like, okay, like a very brief meeting, and I hadn't seen him for a little while for a few days because he was off doing all the in-processing stuff when you first get to a base 
And one day, because me and my platoon sergeant, we would shower at work in the morning, um, just because I had showers there, it was easier. And because of that, you just have more time until the day starts. You have probably like a half hour or an hour before everybody else shows up to work. So I had been, I had a, maybe some of you have this, we gave them out one year, but we had, I had a year with C.S. Lewis, like a devotional that had different excerpts of him that I kept on my desk and I would read it during that time. Doesn't play into the story really, but a little bit. So I would, anyways, I was in my office by myself and this new sergeant, his name, it, um, well, I didn't call him this then because I didn't call him his first name, but Adam, he came in and he is a character. Um, just a mile a minute, dynamic personality. And he was like, hey, sir, I need to use your computer. I got to do these in-processing things like there are little online tests that are like a check the box thing that you have to do. And I'm just like, sure, go ahead. And he's sitting there working away. It was a crammed office. So he, I'm sitting here and he's like right here on another computer. And out of the blue, he had never had any other conversation with me before. He says, hey, sir, do you believe in ghosts? And I'm like, well, and I already, I had had, I don't know if maybe any of you have ever had a conversation about ghosts before with somebody, but I had had brief ones before. So I already had in my mind what I thought about them. And I said, well, I do, but I don't believe that they are dead people that have come back. I said, I think they're just like, that they're spirits. And I kind of left it at that because you don't want to just go in crate with somebody you don't know about. And he's like, well, I think I got one at my house. He had just moved in and he had a family. He had a girl, I think at the time was like three or four years old, some older kids and his wife. And I was like, oh, really? I was like, okay, this guy, what kind of a guy did we just get assigned that this is the first thing? And He's like, yeah. And he starts telling me these stories. Like I thought, okay, it's a ghost. Yeah, great. You know, something fell over in, in the night. And he said, and he's like, no, like I, he said, he had many stories about it. Like those typical bump things. But then he said, he said in the middle of the night, I saw my daughter standing at the end of the hallway with somebody in an old timey dress, like a ghost like an apparition thing, holding my daughter's hand. And he said, and my, I've heard my daughter, my daughter has said that she has talked to them and things like this. And I'm like, okay, whoa, this is like getting really crazy. Either he's super crazy or this is more is going on there than just a story. And I was kind of like, okay, whatever, this is his thing. I don't really know him at all. I've met him hardly at all. And as time would go on, he, we, me and my platoon sergeant, we came to find out that this was one of our best um, sergeants that we had that worked for us, really good. We could trust him. And maybe a month went on and he was also a woodworker and did stuff. And I didn't have a drill press at the time. We had talked about projects and I needed to drill something. And he was like, well, why don't you come over to my house? 
I was like, okay. I was like, yeah, that'll be helpful. And Sarah was like, you're going to go there with the ghosts? And I was like, <laughs> okay, yes, I am. I was like, but honestly, I, this was my thought was I have nothing to worry about. If it really is demonic or something, Jesus will protect me. So I went there. He was at a dead end road. Like, and then Georgia, those are sand roads. It was a new house that was built. And he had all this backstory about why there were the ghosts there that neighbors told him and stuff. And I went in the house. He even showed me the hallway. He was like, I got to show you the hallway where, and it was like, okay. And he showed it all to me and uh, nothing happened. I'll just leave it at that. And they did eventually move. He was like, I can't take it anymore. We're moving. And they did. They backed out of like, they found a way to like renege on their, on their purchasing the house and everything. And nothing happened ever with that. I never saw anything. That was it. But it made me wonder. And I, as the years went on, I wondered about it because this guy, I still talk to him a couple times a year or more on the phone. Either he calls me or I call him. And he is somebody that I would, which you kind of expect that in military, but I would trust my life with him. He has never, ever lied. And he has had the craziest stories, the craziest things, the craziest things within the army happen with him that are true. They just happen to him. I don't know why, but they do. And now... Why did he tell me that story out of the blue? I don't know. I will tell you he is an extremely good, this isn't like a position in the army, but he could have been a detective in the way that he knows things and figures out things with people. He's very perceptive. And I've always thought that he probably noticed the books that I had on my desk that were Christian books. And that's probably why he brought it up to me Asked because he didn't tell anybody else. I mean, people found out later, but. And years on down the road, one time he called me out of the blue just to talk and stuff. And he said, hey, by the way, I've been going to, tr to church and it's been great. It changed me. I don't know. We, we don't talk. We talk about God sometimes. Not very much. But. I just say all this to say that there are things that happen that you don't understand. You don't know why people come into your life and our aspect. And sometimes there are things that are beyond what you even have ever experienced. And the only thing that you can do is say, I'm just going to trust Jesus with whatever this is. Mine was little. I went into a house that somebody said was haunted. Not a big deal. But here we have, this is even crazier because Bruce's best friend is saying, yeah, these spirits come and when they come, people die. And I've seen it. So we won't read it, but when we get, you get, as you go through this chapter, eventually Bruce is so concerned about this. He says, so can, because Bruce explains to Bobby that this is, he thinks that they might be demons or the devil. And Bobby says, well, 
can the devil take my language, which means his life? Can he come and take it? And Bruce says, well, I don't know. And really this is, um, Bruce has one of the best answers that you could have, some of the best advice. And it's not complicated, but he tends to use it a few more times in this book and in his other books for when he gets into a situation that he doesn't have an answer for. And that's simply, first of all, to say, I don't know. Sometimes that's the best answer you can have when you don't know something, is to just say, I don't know. And then he follows that up with, to Bobby and says, you're going to have to ask Jesus. You're going to have to ask him. I don't know. I've never been through this. You have to talk to Jesus. And Bruce feels really bad about giving him this answer because he feels like he's failed him, like he should know this because he's, he's his, um, the words that he uses is he's his spiritual father and he led him to Christ. He says, I should be helping him, but really it was the best thing that he could do. <clears throat> okay. Before we get to what happens when the spirits come. Um, what do you think about the spirits? Or any spirits? Ghosts? Apparitions? I, I have this discussion about aliens as well. Like I, I believe that there's like this like foreign creature. I don't know what it is, but I don't believe that they're like these little green monsters. <laughs> like I don't know. But like same with ghosts. Like I believe that they're they're there, but like not like what people make them out to be. I think that they're there, but I think that you have to, like, open yourself up to them. Okay, that's good. So, the whole, like, Ouija board thing, like, I would never, ever do that because, like, even if they, so, like, if you don't believe that in them or you do, like, you don't want to take the chance. Right. Yes. Because, like, that... I don't know if that's Satan or, or if that's like a ghost or whatever, but like why would you... Right, you don't, you don't know where it's coming right. from. Right, you don't know, so that's... You just don't know. That's very don't, good. Don't so it's, you don't know, if you open that door, you don't know who's going to be on the other side of it. Right. When you are dealing with those kinds of things. The so... Yes, I've heard this uh, thesis before. Are they That's another idea out there. Oh, but like, I guess theoretically you can say that angels are aliens. Yes, okay, good. Like so we're not going to talk about the alien stuff now. Maybe okay. we could do that later another time. But, okay, ghosts. Now... People also do things like seances, where they try to pe 
speak to people who are dead. There's even one that happens in the Bible, right? Do you know that one? No. The witch of Endor, Saul, not Paul Saul, but Saul, like David and Saul, tries to bring up Samuel, the prophet who is dead, to speak to him. And she does a seance. And in this case, normally they have a familiar spirit, which is like a demon or fallen angel that they speak with that pretends to be someone or gives them information. Some of them are faking it. There are ones out there to just fake the whole thing. Okay. But she, in the Bible, it says that she, it was not who she expected. It wasn't the regular spirit she talked to. And she kind of freaked out. She screamed because God actually sent Samuel to speak to Saul, sent him there, and he showed up. And she was terrified of Samuel because she knew who he was. Well, it also talks about people like, be like being possessed. Yes, so there is... Yep. Okay, so we're not going to go super into it, but I wanted to give a little bit of a basis to say that there are spirits out there, that there are spirits that um, follow Satan that have been granted a certain amount of power. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. After Galatians, after Romans and Acts in the New Testament. Yes. And this this um, two verses are actually it's one and two are actually really good because this applies to their exact situation. Um, it covers two things. So chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians. And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. What's it mean to be quickened? To be like, a, like a, awakened or like in, awakened. Know, invigorated. Yep, invigorated is good. Do you, have you ever heard to be cut to the quick? Yes, like if you cut your yeah, and it really smarts and hurts. It wakes you up. Oh, like, like a dog. Yes. I'm, Makes you know you're alive. That's one of Okay, so this is talking about that he, that is um, Jesus, has quickened you. He has made you alive when you um, accepted him as your Savior. He has awakened your spirit. Okay, continue with verse 2. He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Oh, nope, that's it. Sorry. I, I left too long of a pause there. Um, so the first verse, what does that apply to with the modalones? What has just happened for the little tribe? They became Christians, right? They've been awakened. Okay. So then the next one talks about that in the past that they walked according to the prince of the power of the air. 
Who's that? Jesus. Nope. No. Um, so, like, when the air is talked about on within the air within the earth in the Bible, it is talking about oftentimes about the spiritual realm that you cannot see that is going on here on earth. Who has control over the earth right now? No. You're both right. God has given Satan power over the earth for now. But is he like locked up though? Not right now. He will be. Well, like I thought, he had like full reign for however many years. He so what happens is when Jesus comes back, he defeats the powers of darkness. Mm -hmm. yeah. He locks Satan up in a pit. Um, I'm not going to say how long. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But then he will release him again to have to have one more final attempt I guess and then he will throw him into the lake of fire afterwards okay so right now that's why we have a spirit of antichrist in the world because Satan is behind that he has control as much as God allows him and he is slowly giving him more and more that's why the end times gets worse and worse and worse okay so like is it going to let go into one person and they're going to be antichrist um, I'm not going to say how that exactly how that works, but yes, there will be one person who will lead that spirit of Antichrist within the world. Okay, don't think Damien the Owen. Okay, the Omen. It's not like that kind of a thing. Okay, well, never mind if you don't know. It's all right. It's just it's a horror movie thing out there in the culture. Okay, I should have known. Sister of Abby. Okay, so this is to show you that there are spirits out there that are working against God, that are trying, that do not want Jesus' plan to be fulfilled. Um, so now we see that the, the Modalones, who have been made alive by Christ and no longer belong to Satan and sin, that that makes Satan mad, and he is going to attack them now. Um, so, what do we do then when Satan attacks? Turn to James chapter 4, um, farther along in the New Testament, before Peter, towards the end of the Bible. James chapter 4, this is the brother of Jesus, remember. Uh, verse 4, 7. This is how he says you are going to defeat the devil. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will free you. Free, he will flee from you. Verse 8 as well. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Okay. Draw nigh to God. <clears throat> Basically call on Jesus, right? That's how you're going to defeat the devil. You cannot do it on your own. You, he is much more powerful than we are. Okay, so here we see exactly what Bruce's advice was, right? Not complicated. I don't know. I've never done this. you got to go to Jesus. Good advice to give. So, 
Um, Bobby is um, stand that he does. Um, what he ends up doing, Bruce at first goes out on a long walk the night before this happens because he's just trying to deal with thinking about this. And when he comes back, it's already dark. And there is chanting going on in the hut. The women are sitting around fires, clapping big rocks together. And he goes into the hut. And at first, his first reaction is like, what is, this is like crazy, like voodoo stuff. I gotta get out of here. But then he thinks, oh no, where's Bobby? Is Bobby in here? I, I gotta find Bobby. And he finds him and he sees Bobby is up 20 feet up in his hammock and is singing a song. But it's not the same song that everyone else is singing. Whatever song they used to use to try to ward off these spirits. Instead, Bobby is up there and his song is this. This is what he's saying, singing. Jesus is in my mouth. I have a new speech. Jesus is in my mouth. No one can take him from me. I speak Jesus' words. I walk in Jesus' steps. I am Jesus' boy, he has filled my stomach, and I am no longer hungry. So, Bruce then joins him in that song, and they sing the whole night long. And in the morning, and they actually, they, he, they hear like, um, hold on, trying to find where they, where he says what it was like, um, he said well anyways he says that they can hear things outside the the hut through the night but in the morning there is no one dies the first time that anybody can ever remember that nobody dies and they all attribute it to Bobby's song in Bobby's faith in Jesus. So this really sets um, just the, the, I don't want to say rumors, but um, the news spreading around about Bobby and his, him finding Jesus around and sets everybody on fire. So an amazing thing that comes out of this about them just relying on Jesus and trusting him to get them through it. And of course, to us, it's kind of a, uh, not that big of a surprise when we think of stories, right? You can look at the book of Acts with all the apostles, that they're casting out demons, they are doing similar things. We know that that has happened before, but to the Mololones, this is a totally new thing. Now, in the next chapter, Bruce, it's not that these things happen all at once, but he just devotes a chapter to what he calls everyday miracles. And what's funny is these miracles for the motor loans start to explode. They're happening all the time, all over the place, within the different tribes that are all around. And they are, honestly, they are huge miracles to Bruce. But to the Modalones, it's like, oh yeah, of course Jesus healed so-and-so. We asked him to. It's kind of their, their reaction. Because remember, the witch doctor, as Bruce has shown her these medicines, they are still continuing to pray. And now they've 
altered that to now that they believe in Jesus to pray to Jesus every time they put a Band-Aid on. Every time they give somebody a pill, they pray to Jesus as well. And so much so that one time Bruce is gone, he comes back and somebody says, oh, so-and-so got bit by a snake. And he says, oh, no, because he knows that they ran out of anti-venom to heal them from that. And he says, are they okay? Well, we need to get them out to a hospital. And they're like, oh, yeah, they're all better. He's like, well, how? And they're like, well, I gave him some of the antibiotic. And he's like, oh, that doesn't work. Antibiotics do nothing for a snake bite. It would be like nothing happened. And they're like, yeah, we just gave him the, the antibiotic and we prayed for him. And he's better. And Bruce is like, wow, that's a miracle. They're like, no, we gave him medicine and we prayed. Of course, it, it healed him. Because they don't understand that it's a different medicine. But to Bruce, it's like, whoa. Another guy um, falls out of his hammock, breaks his back. To them, it was just, oh, he has a backache, so we just lay down for a couple days. Well, it's not getting better. Bruce says he's got to go to the hospital, convinces them to take him into one of the towns to the hospital. They do an x-ray, get him to lie still long enough, and they're like, yeah, it's broken. He's going to have to be here for a few months while it heals. Bruce comes back in a, in a week to check on him and goes in the room. He's not there. He go. And then all of a sudden, he hears a nurse yelling down the hallway, and the guy, quick, jumps back in bed and is like, pretending like he was there the whole time. And Bruce is like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be laying down. He's like, but I feel fine. I'm all better. He's like, my back doesn't hurt anymore. And the nurse comes in and is like, he won't stay in his bed. He keeps getting up and running around. He's never going to get better. And Bruce convinces the doctor, says, please, can you just x-ray him? I don't think, I, I think we should x-ray him. X-ray him, doctor says, there's not even a hairline fracture anymore. It was totally broke. It's like a week later, he's healed. It, that is, I've never seen that before. I don't know how that could be. And Bruce says, well, I, I do. He's like, what do you mean? He says, I think it might be God. And the guy, doctor's just like, ah, and walks away. But another miracle where, and the Modalons were like, well, yeah, we prayed for him. Of course he got better because to them, they don't understand. They're not looking at the x-rays. They don't have this background. Now, the most wild thing here that happens with the Modalones, I think this is one of the most wild things outside of the core story of like the prophecies and everything and then the tiger and all that. But this is a crazy thing that for us seems impossible is one day um, some of the other I don't think it was Bobby it was yeah it wasn't Bobby one of some of the Modalones say hey we would like to spread the story of Jesus to the Yuko Indians we want to go take it over to them and Bruce says okay that's a good idea. And he thinks in his mind, he knows, well, the Yukos don't speak Modalone. The Modalones don't speak Yuko. They'll never be able to tell them about it. And rather than, he's like, I'm not going to try to convince them. They'll just go. And a few days or a week later, they come back. 
And Bruce says, oh, how did it go? Thinking they're going to say, oh, we couldn't talk to them. And they said, oh, yeah, they, they accepted Jesus. They, and they, they're, um, they're, they're believe in Jesus now. And he's, he says, you spoke to them? And he says, of course we did. Well, that's how we would tell them. And he said, uh, and they understood you? He's, and they, he's like, yeah, they told us they understood what we said. And Bruce is like, you mean you opened your mouth and you spoke to the Yukos and they understood you? And he says, yes, of course. And Bruce is just like, the only thing it could be was that God gave them, both of them, or one of them, the ability to speak the other's language for that day or whatever. Because there's no way. They're totally... Di- it would be like a Frenchman trying to speak to an Englishman and tell them whatever and them just totally understanding it. It's a totally different language. They, they did nothing alike. Maybe even farther apart than French and English. Anyways, so we see that there are these huge outward changes that are going on. Things like people being miraculously healed by Jesus. Changing their language so they can spread the gospel to neighboring tribes. Things like um, saving them from the spirits. But although these things are impactful and they just they liven up your life and make it amazing there is something bigger that is changing and bruce says this himself at the end of the miracles chapter here he says the greatest miracle i've seen though has been the changed lives of the modalones they have found their purpose in jesus christ As a result, they have broken down the individuality that prevented them from helping each other. There is a real caring for others, real self-sacrifice that has made their economic development possible, as well as their spiritual development. Without it, the programs always bog down. With it, it, their problems are being solved. With Jesus, there can be real change, not just spiritual change, not just change by and by, real change now with visible power. He is the source of all change, and he is the God of everyday miracles. So, do you remember, we, we may have just briefly touched on it, but the Modalones, if somebody was sick, um, other than maybe a family member, nobody would care for another Modalon. If there was, a, say, a kid became an orphan, no one would take that child in. They, they live right next to you in the hut, and nobody would take them in. Odd, right? You think, well, aren't you human? But it, in their culture, it just wasn't what they did they were they were as bruce said very focused on the individual the self okay i want you to turn to galatians chapter 5 for the last thing we're going to go to 
Galatians 5. This is what, we've talked about this before. We've done a series on this for some of you. This is what happens when Christ comes into you, when you have the Holy Spirit dwell within you. All these amazing miracles can happen, but the greatest thing is how it changes you inside, changes how you act within the world. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. These are the things that are the fruit of them becoming Christians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering... Wait. Okay, I thought I was going to... You're good. Gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Okay. So... I'm sure you are all familiar with those. You've heard about them before. The fruits of the Spirit, right? Not a coconut. It's not a coconut, yep. So we see that things just changes in who they are as a people, as a culture begins to shift. They become more aware of them as a whole, as one body, as what do we call... Our Christian group here in East Shelby. A congregation or a church, right? The church is the body of Christ, right? And the, we're supposed to love one another, care for one another. And it's that you've heard say many times, brothers and sisters in Christ... Because you're supposed to treat them like you're, they're your family. And this is what is changing within the Modalones. That they are now ex, um, showing love more. They already had immense joy. They were already a joyful people. But the joy is founded in something deeper now. That they now have peace. Instead of warring with the Yukos. They used to war against each other. Now they are going and spreading the gospel to them, loving them. Um, They have a gentleness and showing goodness towards others. Because another thing they used to do, if somebody on the hunt was successful, them and their family would eat. But if the family next to them had nothing, even if they had extra, they wouldn't give it to them. They'd just throw it out. And that begins to change. They begin to change how they, their, the parts of their culture that need to be thrown away are being thrown away. Now, it's not all of a sudden. We'll see some more stuff where Bruce still struggles with Bobby, and sometimes Bobby makes him mad by the things that he does that are a part of his culture but don't align with Christianity. And slowly, patiently, Bruce will help Bobby to change those things. And sometimes vice versa. All right. Thank you guys.